Friends, welcome to our service on this first Sunday in Lent, our call to worship. Let us pray. Step by step we walk with Christ. Through the waters of baptism we are affirmed. Through the wilderness we are tested. Through the death of Christ we are made alive in the Spirit. This is our journey today and every day. We walk with Christ today and every day. Amen. Our first hymn, written by Edwin Hatch and sung for us and played for us by Adrian Pallant. Breathe on me, breath of God. That was breathe on me, breath of God. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us out of the darkness through the waters of baptism into the light and life of your kingdom. We thank you, God, for the promise of your presence, for sending us your spirit. We thank you, God, and pledge ourselves to you. When I feel lonely, when I am tempted, when I feel the weight of sin, when I feel overwhelmed, when my heart is a wilderness, when my mind is bewildered and my soul is dry and hungry, Jesus, meet me and lead me into your kingdom. Remembering God's steadfast love, yet aware of our sin, we ask for God's mercy upon us and upon the world that God has created and saved. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. 
Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Turn to me and be gracious to me, O Lord. Consider my trouble and forgive all my sins. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Amen. We say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we're going to uh, watch a video, well, two videos. The first depicts this reading from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. The second is a video, it's called The DNA Journey. But first, Mark's Gospel. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptised him in the Jordan River. As soon as Jesus came out of the water, he saw the sky open and the Holy Spirit coming down to him like a dove. A voice from heaven said, You are my own dear Son, and I am pleased with you. Straight away, God's Spirit made Jesus go into the desert. He stayed there for 40 days while Satan tested him. Jesus was with the wild animals, but angels took care of him. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee and spread the good news that comes from God. He said, the time has come. God's kingdom will soon be here. Turn back to God and believe the good news. I'm proud to be English. My family have served and we've defended this country and have been to war for this country. I'm, I'm really patriotic about Bangladesh. Well, I am 100% I am Icelandic, yeah, definitely. This is a Kurdish wedding with my mom in the traditional Kurdish clothes. We're just proud black, so that's it. Yeah, I think we are probably the best country in the world, if I'm honest. Think about other countries and other nationalities in the world. Are there any that you, you don't feel you you get on with well or you, you won't like particularly? Germany, yeah. I'm not a fan of the Germans. You might think they're a little bit... Particularly India and Pakistan, probably, because of the whole, you know, the conflict. Because I have this side of me that's like, that hates mm. Turkish people. Not, not people, but the government. But French? No. <laughs> We're just best, you know, it's just fact. I'm more important than you. I don't know you, but in my opinion, I am strong and I am, I am more important than a lot of people. How would you feel about taking a journey based on your DNA? Um, yeah, I feel very uh, intrigued. What could you possibly tell me that I don't know? So do you know how DNA works? So you get half from mum and half from dad. So 50% from each of them, and they get 50% from their parents. And back and back and back. And all those little bits of your ancestor, they filter down to make you, you. 
I need you to spit in this tube for me. You spit up to the little black line. That's a lot of spit. Right, the story of you is in that tube. What's it gonna tell me? It's gonna be, oh yeah, you're French, and yeah. wait, your grandparents are French, and wait. 100% Bengali. Solid Iraqi. I'm Cuban. <laughs> you gonna tell me that I'm English? Like I've told you. Jay, can you come down and join us? I'm a little bit nervous, I have to say. So you ready to find out your results? Will you read it out to us, please? Wow, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. <laughs> All of them. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> no! No! Caucasus? Which was uh, Turkish? Yeah. <laughs> Eastern Europe, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece. I'm 32% British! <laughs> what? Great Britain, 30%. Can we... 5%... German. <laughs> I'm Irish. Yeah. So I'm a Muslim Jew. Great Britain, 11%. Are you sure these results are mine? Eastern Europe. <laughs> Iceland has definitely moved closer to Europe now. I'm going to go a bit far right now, but this should be compulsory. There would be no such thing as like extremism in the world if people knew their heritage like that. Like, who would be stupid enough to think of such thing as like a pure race? In a way, we're all kind of cousins, in a broad sense. Mm. In a much more direct sense, you have a cousin in this room. Mm -mm. Turn around and guess who it is. Wash? Yeah. What's that? Why don't you come down here and oh meet your cousin? I did no idea. This is like I, my heart's pounding right now. I swear to God. Jay from everywhere, but if we do this, I'm a real man of the world. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you. So, would you like to travel to all of these places? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Friends, you use a particular Bible. This is a Bible that I've had, oh, since 1987. And it's been left in places, it's been posted back to me from all across the world. But um, it's, a, it's the one that I just use. It's the, the one that I keep going back to. Uh, for some reason, it's easier to find uh, things in here because it's well worn and I kind of know where things are. It's kind of strange, isn't it? How you become so familiar with a particular Bible. 
I'm going to read to us from 1 Peter. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Have you ever seen that sticker or heard the phrase, lead me not into temptation? I can find it myself. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15 reminds us of these words. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This first Sunday in Lent, we start a humble journey. The one we begin today is a humble journey. It's humble, it's modest, it's unassuming, and it begins quite unremarkably. We remember those journeys in our lives, don't we? We've not had them for a long time when we've packed our suitcases and packed our bags and we've gone off excited and with gifts or with tickets for, for planes or reservations for hotels. We look forward as the car speeds off or the plane takes off. But it's not that kind of journey we're thinking of today. Because it's a humble journey. A humble journey we think of today. Is this Jesus' journey humble? The scripture that we read today reads simply pretty sensational. It starts, after all, with a baptism, Jesus' baptism, which features a voice. And then there's a trek through the wilderness where Jesus is tempted by Satan and engages with wild beasts and then is cleaned up by the angels. But it's a humble journey we begin today. Uh, the Gospel writers Mark's terse account of these awesome things isn't very spectacular. His telling of the beginning of Jesus' ministry is remarkably understated. It's not quite like the glorious paintings and TV screen renditionings when we're grown up. Um, and also Matthew's and, and Luke's account is, is somewhat different too. I take the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is, is dripping wet from this nondescript river Jordan, a river that at this point is hardly big enough for someone to be placed under. But Jesus then sees the heavens torn open. He gasps for air under the water and watches the spirit soaring intently into his life. He hears a voice that reverberates in his ears and in his heart, a voice that sounds like some kind of love talk and encouragement from a parent after they've seen a child play in a recital or, or perform a wonderful move at the gym or, or 
been great in a, in a game of sport. He hears this wonderful affirmation message. You are my son, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus sees the spirit. He hears the voice. But if we were on shore watching, we would just be engaged with our neighbour, talking about when our next um, baptism is going to be and how we're going to go into the water. We're absorbed in the conversation. We don't notice anything going on. It's kind of quiet. But Jesus' ears, they're ringing. His senses are smarting. He's about wilderness wanderings. That's kind of dramatic, isn't it? But there's no arguments in Mark's gospel of Jesus engaging with Satan and having arguments with him. No details are given about Jesus' hunger for food or power hungers that make mouths water and stomachs ache. Mark's gospel, Mark's account, is nothing like that. It just says he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Jesus' words of life-changing importance were no doubt called out into a world noisy with the slapping of fish nets and the lively bartering in a marketplace and the hum of everyday narrative and discourse. And Jesus' voice, just like today, competes with all of that. Competes with the strident voices of prophets that were shouting out against the Roman oppressors. It's a humble journey. A humble journey that Jesus starts today. It's quiet, unassuming, modest journey. But at the same time, it's an amazing, remarkable, life-changing story for Jesus and for us as his Easter people. Because we peek out at the whole of this from an empty tomb. We peek out knowing all that Jesus is going to encounter for us. We know the journey is filled with God's voice ringing in our ears and in our hearts. We too have temptations. We too have wild beasts lurking in the shadows of our lives. And yet angels, when we need them, are there too. And our unashamed witness is there as we speak unashamedly about how we follow Jesus. Our journey it's like Jesus' journey, both humble and obedient to the point of death, as well as glorious and world-changing. Our journeys in life are marked by a trail of muddy footprints as we make our way through the wilderness, littered by issues of home and work and non-work, of isolation and vaccination, of stress and sickness and sadness and confusion and chaos and violence. There are footprints. That's part of our journey. The tissues that we've cried upon and the thank you notes sent to those angels who draw alongside us, who remind us that God is with us. That's our journey. And like Jesus, we call out as we travel with words similar to what Eugene Peterson uses in his rendering of the gospel, the message. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. What simple and glorious words to speak 
And that's our journey. A humble, modest, glorious journey. Now in particular, what does that humble journey look like? I think the journey of Jesus that he makes is very much like our journey. When Jesus went into the wilderness and was alone, he was truly alone. So he knows what it's like when we are alone. We're told Jesus was led into the wilderness. We also have wilderness experiences where we feel alone, feel we're wandering around without knowing what to do or where to turn and where to go. We're surrounded by dangers and temptations that sometimes can feel as every bit threatening as the wild animals that Jesus engaged with. And Jesus had the invitation to sin. But no, thank you, he said. I've got other plans. Jesus was alone in the wilderness, no support group, no one to give him advice. And when things began to hit him adversely, he could have wondered, has God abandoned me? Where is God? Is God not pleased with me? Others have done that. Others wandering in the wilderness, those for 40 years, where is God? As they began to grumble, we were better off back there. We know those thoughts too. The world verbalises those thoughts. Where is your God? These are things that are used to distract us in faith, to make us doubt, to make us feel discouraged. And in that we cry out, God, where are you? But Jesus was able to face that temptation and we are able to face all the world throws at us in temptation and a wilderness. Jesus could because he knew who he was. This whole temptation came after his baptism when he heard the voice of God, the word of God. That's his DNA. That's what his baptism did for, for him. It's what it does for us. We are God's and God is ours. He holds us in the palm of his hand and we reach out to him. When God spoke at Jesus' baptism, Jesus had to rely on that word, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus wasn't hearing repeated confirmation of his father's love and concern while out there in the wilderness. God had spoken to him and he had to believe that word. In the wilderness, there wasn't that constant reassurance of God's love. And we too, when it feels like there's silence all around us, when we feel we can't hear the voice of God or the whisper of God because of all the world is throwing, then we remember that we are God's. We remember the word of God. We remember the hope of God. When it feels like it's silent, it's then we may hear the whisper of God's voice. Hold fast. On this journey of humility, on this journey of faith, hold fast. So how do we reclaim all this for ourselves in this Lenten journey? How do we ensure that we're not tempted and dragged down by the things of the world around us? In Psalm 25, David begins by saying, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And these accounts of Jesus being tempted, which we hear in other Gospels, 
That's what Jesus did. He lifted up his soul. He looked to God. And that's what we do. We place our dependency upon God and God's word. David knew that. The Apostle Paul knew that. And Jesus revealed that. And we too can do the same. I am turning my face to God just as Jesus turned his face resolutely towards Jerusalem. We turn our face to God and place our dependence in God. Have you turned your thoughts to God today? Will you do that tomorrow? Not just in this act of worship, but will you turn your face to God? Like David, like the Apostle Paul, like Jesus. Let's fix our eyes upon God. Let's fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. It's a humble, modest journey, this journey of Lent. Amen. Friends, we listen to the song, The Servant King. speak of sacrifice 
fierce hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrender this is our god the servant king he calls us now to So let us learn how to serve And in our lives enthrone Him Each other's needs to prefer For it is Christ we're serving This is our let us pray. We open the papers and don't know how to pray. We turn on the radio and don't know how to pray. We flick through the TV channels and don't know how to pray. We listen to our neighbour's story and don't know how to pray. And so we hold our hurting world before you and ask you to intercede for us. And as we wait on you in the quiet of our hearts, we begin to feel the pain of devastation, where people have lost loved ones, homes and livelihoods, swept away by the destructive power of water. We begin to feel the pain of destruction where people's lives have been torn apart, when they suffer the effects of violence or war. We begin to feel the pain of injustice, where people do not have good health or fail to flourish due to poverty or oppression. We open the papers and we begin to feel your pain. We turn on the radio and we begin to feel your pain. We flick through the TV channels and we begin to feel your pain. We listen to our neighbour's story and we begin to feel your pain. And so we hold our hurting world and our hurting selves before you and ask you to begin to change our hearts and answer prayer through our actions. 
May we understand what it is to be the good news of Jesus in the lives around us. And may we show that good news through word and deed. In the name of Christ, who turned his face toward Jerusalem and took the road with courage, determination and with us in mind and heart. Amen. Friends, our final hymn today, All I Once Held Dear, Knowing You, Jesus.
Friends, thank you for joining us on this first Sunday in Lent. I hope you've been able to engage in those Lenten reflections that are being made available each day. I hope that you find them helpful and a way of allowing you to turn your face and your heart towards God. Our final blessing. Made in your image, we worship and serve. To live for you. To journey with you in this season of Lent. God, may we know your guidance and renewal in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you, friends.